If you were standing before God right now, would you be so bold as to go running up into his arms? Or before you got there, would you stop dead in your tracks because your sin comes to your mind? Oftentimes, people will say, I know God loves me and accepts me because he sees how hard I am trying. He sees my heart and he knows that I am trying so hard. And because of that, he will accept me and love me. Is that true? And is that how God actually works? You know, along with that question, I'm not actually convinced anybody really thinks that they really did the best that they could. I don't really think that anybody thinks I've tried my hardest all the way through. Because we think through those times where we haven't. And they always come to our mind. How does God determine who gets into his kingdom? Is it based off of a merit system? If the good outweighs the bad, okay, you did it. You did good. You are in. There is a show called The Good Life. It's a comedy about someone going into the afterlife and trying to do enough good so that they get to the good place. It's all built off of this merit system that if you, the good outweighs the bad, then you're in, you did it, good job. And what I'd like to argue today is that God is not easily pleased by your good efforts. But at the same time, there's something surprising about the path into his favor, his love, his embrace, and his delight in you. And for some, it's a bit too scandalous. And for some, it's even a bit atrocious. We're in our series called The Gospel, and this word gospel means good news. This is joyful news. This is the greatest news you have ever heard. In other words, if you are hearing about Christianity, and it doesn't sound like the greatest news you've ever heard, you are likely misunderstanding it. And if you are hearing all about who Jesus is, what he's done, and what it means for you, and it doesn't sound like the greatest news you've ever heard, you are likely misunderstanding him. And what I found is that oftentimes when people are rejecting Christianity, they're not actually rejecting Christianity, but something that they think it is, but it is not. And, and also what happens, oftentimes in the church, People claim to be Christians, but they don't actually know what Christianity is. The question is, has that happened to you? We're looking today at a truth that is often very misunderstood by people both in the church and outside the church. Actually, it's not misunderstood. It's gone undiscovered by people outside the church and people in the church. And what we've been saying throughout the series is that the gospel, it is not a diamond, but it is a whole diamond mine. And the key to life, the key to not letting God grow dull in your life is to enter into the diamond mine and find the right diamond that you need for that moment in your life right now. The diamond that makes you enamored with God again. And the diamond that we are talking about today does seem to shine the brightest of all the diamonds for a lot of people. And that diamond is called justification. Here's our verse. It's Galatians 2.16. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. 
So also we have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. First point, the heart of Christ for sinners. Our verses speak of faith in Christ. So we ask, who is this man that we should put our faith in? Who is this man that we should put our trust in? Who is this man that for thousands of years, looking forward, people were looking forward to this man? Thousands, thousands of years ago. And then, who is this man that today, for thousands of years, we've been looking back at who he is and what he's done, and people are worshiping him, they're giving their life for him, they're literally dying so that people will believe in him. Who is he that people would respond in this way? He is a man whom people have seen his heart and it has caused them to give their life to him. They have seen that his heart isn't repelled by sinners, but propelled towards sinners. He has seen us. He knows us. He loves us. He's called the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. His sinful sheep. In Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. This is Jesus speaking. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Now here's the order of events. First, as the shepherd, he pursues you. And then he finds you and he says, come to me. And you wonder at this. The grace that he's offering you. And then you think, wait, 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 wait. He must not really know about me. He must not really know about those sins that I've been hiding from everybody else. He probably hasn't seen those. And so you stop. And then he looks at you and somehow knows to give you the right words. And he says, I do know you. I've seen you at your worst. In fact, I know more about you than you do. I know about the sins that you're doing that you don't even realize you're doing. And for you, I have come. And I see how weary you are. I see that you need rest. And I'm gentle. And I'm lowly in heart. Meaning, I'm gentle. I'm so gentle, I'm gentle with sinners. And I'm so lowly that even sinners would approach me. Though I know all about them and everything they have done. Approaching Christ isn't about being bold. It's about seeing the heart of your Savior. And going to him. It's because you've seen him and you know him and he's seen you and he knows you and he's still pursuing you. And then you hear even more. You, you, you find yourself wrapped up in his arms and you, he, you hear even more about these rumors about who he is, what he's done. He's whispering in your ear and here's what you find out. Two, second point, the justification of sinners. Our verse says that the Christian is justified by faith, not works. And that means if you believe in Christ, his perfect, beautiful, pristine record becomes your record. Last week we saw that Christ came to be crushed in your place. He came to take your record from you. 
your record of all the wrongs that you have done. He comes, and, he comes and takes them and makes them his own. And then this week we see that he comes to give you his perfect life, his perfect record. Everything that he did right, he's given to you. His obedience, even to the point of death on the cross. His father looks upon him with so much delight and he says, here, you can have it all. It's all yours. This is how my father will now see you with my perfect record credited to you. God accepts you not because you obey and not because you try hard, but simply because of your faith in Christ. Done, period. You are declared by faith as being perfectly and pristinely righteous. Now, there is a difference between being declared righteous or perfect and actually being righteous or perfect. This is a courtroom view. So put yourself in the courtroom. The judge has given you a perfect record. Not only is all the wrong that you have done gone, but all the right that Christ did is now yours. It doesn't mean, though, that you won't continue to sin. The Christian is a sinless sinner. And it's not that he can't see your sin. He can. He's choosing to look upon the righteous record of Christ that is covering you in your place. And so he delights in seeing Christ's perfection covering you. And I hope you see how wild and how wonderful and how unexpected this is. In fact, it's so unexpected that people often miss this. When I was in seminary, I was asked to speak at a men's retreat for leaders. And so I get to the retreat and I, get, I gather everybody together and I say, okay, get in groups and the, all these men are getting in groups, and I want to ask them a question. I want them to discuss it in the group. And here's the question I asked. At the end of your life, why does God say to you, well done? At the core, why does he say, well done to you? And so they began talking. I let them go on, and I say, okay, let somebody stand up from your group and tell us what you guys said. So they stand up, and someone said, someone, the group says, essentially we said, as long as God knows we're trying hard, He's going to say, well done. As long as God knows that I lived for him, as long as God knows that I loved others as I wanted to be loved, as long as he knows that I told people about him the best that I could. And then finally, some Christian with enough sense stood up and said, I don't know who your God is, but at the end of my life, my God says, well done, because I am clothed with the perfect record of Christ. These were church leaders. They weren't pastors, but they were church leaders, and they missed it. And I want to dig in here because I don't want you to miss this. God is not so easily pleased by you trying hard. In fact, if you're a Christian, you'll come to the realization that your hard trying and anything good that you do cannot please him because there's still sin there. Your sin is too great, but his grace is more. And because he demands perfect obedience from you, grace is your only shot. So he demands perfect obedience, and then he provides perfect obedience to you in Christ. You just have to have faith that it's true. Faith alone in Christ alone by grace alone. Now, I need to give you some clarifications. Some people think that it is by grace grace, if God knows that you try hard, then he's going to be gracious to you. If he sees, oh, look, oh, look at this dear person and how hard they're trying. Let me be gracious to this person. 
That is not how God works. God gives grace to only those who know they can't, but Christ was his best in their place. And make sure you understand this. It's not faith alone that saves you. It's faith in Christ alone that saves you. Some people believe that if they just think or believe that God will forgive them, that that's enough. No, God will crush your sin. So he either crushes your sin as Christ bears your sin on the cross, or he crushes your sin. But either way, the sin is crushed. Justice has to be satisfied. Another clarification. Justification is a product of faith, and your growth is a product of faith. It's not that you become a Christian by faith, and then you grow as a Christian by trying harder. It's all about your faith. Christ alone is what grows you. He grows you. But don't you dare measure God's approval his love and his acceptance on you based on how good you are. Even by faith, you doing good things doesn't make God love you more. His love is constant, relentless. You can't undo it because of faith. Justification. It's done. Finished. God loves you and he's not going to stop no matter what you do. It's Christ all the way. Another clarification. True faith also means now you won't go running off and indulge in your favorite past sins. The reason is because now, by faith, you have a new heart. And this new heart is giving you new desires to live another way. That doesn't mean there's not going to be a wrestling match that happens with your old sins. And that doesn't mean that at times you're not going to go and indulge. But when you do, it's okay because he has justified you. However... Don't make the mistake of thinking that just because you're declared righteous doesn't mean that there aren't going to be some negative effects to your sins here on the earth. And don't think that God won't discipline you like a loving father. He will. But he will because he loves you. And his relentless acceptance of you, it will never fade away, no matter what you do. Because by faith, you have been made right with God. The mistake is, God accepts, God accepts me because of my obedience. That's a mistake. The truth is that because of God's acceptance of you, you want to obey. Now, when I told this group of leaders about this, a lot of them were having these eye-opening experiences. Maybe some of them came to faith. I don't know. But some of them didn't agree. It got a little bit controversial. And so I want to make sure that you see from Scripture that this is true. So let me show you. Romans 5.1 Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to tell you this. You will never know peace if you ever think that at some point you can then lose all this justification that God has given you. Because then you're always going to be wondering, well, what if tomorrow I do something? What if the next day I do something? I'm going to tell you right now, you will do that thing. And when you do... You're going to be tempted to think his favor of you is gone, but it is not. It's not going away. Titus 3.7, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Galatians 3.24, so then, 
the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. Romans 3.28 For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Romans 5.9 Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Even in the Old Testament, Abraham believed and it was counted to him as righteous. Righteous is the noun form of the verb justify. Habakkuk 2.4, the righteous shall live by faith. Now, this word righteous has different meanings depending on the context. It could be, mean that you have already been made right with God, or it could be, mean you are becoming more of who you're made to become. But both are by faith. And that's why James, we saw in our series earlier, said that you're saved by faith and works. It sounds confusing until you realize what James is doing. James is after finding true faith. So you are justified by faith, but you grow by faith, if it's a true faith. And if you're not seeing growth in your life, then you go back and you ask yourself, have I actually believed? But you can't. Look, if you believe, you can never ask the question, how does God feel about me? And think, think that he thinks ill, unless you're making a mistake in your thinking. He's relentless in his favor for you. And this last one I need to read to you. It kind of seals the deal. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. And this is Paul writing, and he goes on to provide this grand list of all of his grand accomplishments. The stuff that you would be most proud of. And then he says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the, forsake, for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Now, what he's saying is all the good stuff that he's done, all the reasons that you would want to say to God, God, don't you love me because of this? He says, I count them as loss so that I might know Christ. What he's saying is you can't actually know Christ until you take all the things that you've done, cast them away, and go to him. Actually, the word that he uses for rubbish, he counts all things as rubbish. The Greek word, well, the translators soften it. But it's literally supposed to be translated as, I count all things as shit. I said it. And I'm going to tell you what, I'm not, doing that to, I'm not doing that to be shocking. I'm doing that because that's what the Bible literally says here. And there's a reason why it's saying it. It's actually important that you don't miss it. Apparently, God thinks the only time it is appropriate for you to use a word like this is when you are tempted to take all the good things that you have done and to say, God, don't you love me for this? And he's like, no, I don't love you for that. Throw that in the, down the toilet right now where it belongs and bring the record of Christ before me so I can delight in you the way that I've always longed to because only his record is enough. Your greatest temptation is going to be to take, gather up all the good things that you've done and say, God, look, look at what I did for you. And it's going to break his heart. 
because he's already sent his son to do everything that you needed to do for you. So at the end of your life, don't you dare, don't be tempted to say, God, look at what I did. You have to leave it behind. You have to count it as rubbish. You have to, you have to say, not, no, I will lay this down. It's going to be the biggest temptation and you're experiencing it right now because you always want, God, you owe me because of what I have done for you. You owe me a better life. Christ, you're, when you say that, you are laying down Christ's record and taking up your own. And if you do that at the end of your life and you say, God, look at my record. All it is is a record that sends you straight to hell. Because it always misses the mark. There's one. One record that gets you in. Now, some of you know this already. Some of you needed to be reminded of it. Well, you all needed to be reminded of it. But I have another question for you. If you already knew this, if you've been a Christian for a long time, and you're like, yeah, I knew that. Does your life really look like someone who believes that they have been justified by faith. This is our third point. The Christian who forgets their justification. To be justified means you are right with God. And it means you can always approach Him. Right before you sin, you can approach God. Right after you sin, Go running to God. You can approach him. You've been justified. Actually, in the middle, right in the middle of all of your sins. Was that like coins dropping? Was like somebody had that, like it all made sense? Okay, good. Listen to this. Right in the middle of all of your, right in the middle of your sin, you can go right up to God. In fact, that's what you need most because that's the only shot you have of growing out of that sin. So go to him always. You always have access to him. But the story is too familiar. I meet with Christians and their relationship with God is struggling. God feels very dull to them. God is boring to them now. The excitement that they once had is all gone. And after enough digging, what is usually found is that they have tremendous amount of guilt and shame. And they don't feel like they can approach God. They feel like a failure, a fraud, and an imposter. And so they stay away. They have forgotten that God has already justified them. Now, I'm going to tell you this. You will never get used to your sin. And you are going to sin for the rest of your life. But that sin does not define you. It doesn't have to. Go to him. When you feel like you're not measuring up, you have access to him. And then he'll grow you. Because you're with him. How does God feel about you right now? Like, I know what you, okay, I just told you all of this, and you're like, okay, I know what I'm supposed to say. No, I'm talking about deep within you. How does God feel about you right now? And if your answer is not that he delights in me, he cherishes me, he has so much favor on me, he cherishes me as much as he cherishes his one and only son who is obedient to the point of death on the cross. If you don't think he cherishes you like that, then you have a problem. You are missing out on this justification. And if you don't fix this problem, even if you're a Christian and 
you're not taking hold of it. You've forgotten it. And if that's happening, it's going to ruin your life. And it's going to cause you to run further and further and further from God. Until one day you look nothing like a Christian. Though you still are. Because, well, you can't lose that justification. And, and the reality is, he's the good shepherd. So he's going to chase you down. But you might keep running from him. And you might run, him, run from him your whole entire life. Until he finds you at the end. And if you do that, you will have wasted your life. And you will have wasted all the good that you could have done here on this earth. Because you spent all of your time running from him. Because you forgot that you've been justified. Don't waste your justification. So let me give you some ways that you're doing that. Some of you so badly fear the rejection of others. And you fear that because he is not enough for you. He is the only one who really, in the end, ultimately matters. And he loves you and cherishes you so you don't have to worry about being rejected. Because the whole world can reject you. And if you have his favor, well, if you, if you realize it, it is enough. You who are performance addicts, you always want to win in everything that you're doing. Now that you've become a Christian, well, you want to be the best Christian, better than anyone else in this room. And that doesn't make you the best Christian. In fact, it might make you the worst Christian because you can't outperform Christ. So just rest in the fact that you have his record. You who are scared of failure because you are worried about what others will say about you in your failings. Christ is succeeded for you already. So you can rest. You don't have to worry about what people think about you and your failures, which means you can go and fail, fail boldly. I mean, use some wisdom. Don't do something foolish, but go. You can take risks, and you can take risks for the glory of God. And in the end, you might look foolish, but who cares? You did it for him, and that's amazing. But you have to be brave, and the only way to be brave is to know that you've been justified. Approval junkies. Your feelings are so controlled by what people think of you. How much of your life has been wasted ruminating on what other people think of you? How much time with your family has been wasted as you obsess over what people think of you? Time with your kids, time with your spouse, time with God, because you just can't stop thinking about what people think of you. You who put so much pressure on yourself to change and transform like, just rest for a minute. And you're like, well, why isn't God transforming me right now? Well, maybe he wants you to rely on him more, and you're not. And you're making it up to you to change. Or maybe he wants to humble you a bit. Doesn't matter. Just chill out a bit. Like, you will change. He'll change you. Maybe not in your time. Are you the type of person who can't admit when you're wrong? Or you can't laugh at yourself if you do something foolish? Well, because you don't really think God approves of you in that moment. And you care more about what others say about you. Some, of you. some of you are really anxious. And it could be, though not for sure, but it could be that you feel so much guilt and shame and it's giving you anxiety that's leading to depression and it's sucking you into this pit. You've forgotten your justification. Who you are and your worth isn't declared in what you have done, but in what Christ has done in your place. 
but you're still measuring your self-worth based on your performance and based off of what other opinions are of you. You've forgotten. And then the la- this last one. Do you criticize others? Now, come on, let's get real. The reason you criticize others is because you are so deeply insecure. And you're insecure because you have forgotten about your justification. He is pursuing you right now and he's knocking on your head like, hello, did you forget what I did for you and who I am? He's knocking on your heart saying, yeah, you say you believe this is true, but your life doesn't look like you really believe it. This is our last point. He pursues sinners. He's the good shepherd, and he is not against you, but he is for you. And he opens his arms out as far as the east is from the west, and he gathers up all the sinners throughout all the world who will finally cling to him by faith and grasp his arms. And then he goes up to the cross, and right before he is crushed for your sins, he pushes you away, keeps your sins, holds on to them, and is crushed in your place. And then he takes his beautiful and perfect record, and he puts it on you. He lived perfectly so that you would be justified. He died your death and lived the life that you should have lived and then gave it to you. And those, those who are trying so hard to get God to love them, this is offensive, this is reckless, this is scandalous, and this is atrocious because they can't stand the idea of taking all the good that they've done and throwing it in the trash. But those who have said, I know it's not enough, I need grace, well, they can rest. So go to him so you can have rest. Let's pray. Father, help us be people who believe this and remember it. And help us work it out in all of our life. And help us see that the ways that we are doing the things we ought not to do have a lot to do with us not trusting that we have been justified. Jesus, we love you. We praise you. You did everything we were supposed to do. And you took everything that we did wrong and owned it as yours so that we could own everything that you did right. Thank you. In your name we pray, amen.